Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Here comes the hot I'm the lyrical gangster. We also uh, eliminated Common Core my first year as governor. We eliminated the FSA and we now have progress monitoring. You know, they used to spend so much time on this one end of the year test. And the problem is, if there's deficiencies, everyone's gone for the summer. You can't even rectify. So our progress monitoring evaluates students periodically throughout the school year. It's not as voluminous. It's, it's more targeted. It's quicker. Um, but it gives parents, teachers, and students feedback so that they're able to make adjustments as need be on a case-by-case basis. See, see that I had never heard that particular point made before. That very smart yeah he's right like if you do testing at the end of the year and students one two and three in your class are deficient on english for example what do you do with that i don't know hope it goes well see you in august you know like but if you're doing the ongoing status uh, evaluation monitoring and then obviously you can adapt instructional time or whatever to those kids needs that is a far better system see that's the kind of thing that you know, Governor DeSantis makes national news for opposing the AP African American Studies class, right? Which is honestly, in the grand scheme of things, an enormous who cares. That is such it's a pilot program for uh, advanced placement and it's, it's, it's a test program. It just happens to hit at the like, you know, the intersection of various culture wars kinds of issues. And I said this the other day, I'll say it again. Uh, if you're looking at the, the whole scope of AP offerings and I was a big beneficiary of the early AP stuff, like I went to I went to college halfway through my sophomore year with credit from AP. So, you know, I love the AP program, but it's calculus and chemistry and biology and European history and French and Japanese and Japanese. Yeah. Um, it's psychology and Spanish and U.S. history and world history are in there and U.S. government and politics. I just I don't accept that African-American history fits in the grand scheme of what's necessary to be taught at the high school level. But should we teach black history in America? Duh. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yes. Should black people and white people, should black students and white students both learn about various elements of black history in america yes of course is there a gap in the knowledge of for example black history among black americans and white of yes you need more black friends if you don't think so um i'm just of course uh is that right to remedy uh in a in an ap course i don't think so and there are other problems with that particular course as he specifically said that it has more indoctrination rather than education and weird elements this course. So when I heard it didn't meet the standards, I figured, yeah, they may be doing Syracuse. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. 
See, it's not just what you would call a standard, unobtrusive, neutral presentation of black history. It's got a lot of other stuff, right? Now, come back to me with a curriculum that's more neutral and, well, then we'll see. But I still think even a neutral curriculum probably doesn't justify an entire course on the subject. But that would be a very different thing. So is that being reported? Not really. Is it being reported that we did away with testing and we're making our students better? Not really. They're not looking for the comprehensive perspective on the educational system in Florida. They're looking for the headline. And anything they can use, I say, okay, anything they can use to make DeSantis look bad or stupid. So when he goes ahead and talks about, you know, raising teacher pay, not exactly a headline. We're talking about establishing uh, teachers' bill of rights, you know, so that they have, for example, a mechanism to notify the state if they think their rights have been violated doesn't as much make the headline. And that's part of the problem is that, you know, the presentation of what's going on in Florida, even in Florida, is not particularly well done and certainly not well done outside of the state. We'll tell you more here in a second. 715 on News Radio 923 Candy has traffic on the fives. Okay, and just watching this uh, tree, it looks like, and uh, it's on Davis Highway, as I understand, and it's partially blocking excuse me, uh, the westbound lane of Campus Drive, North Davis Highway. This is westbound. So um, I'm sorry, we're blocking the westbound lane of uh, North Davis Highway near Campus Drive. So use caution there. Caution wherever you are. Brought to you by Executive Landscaping. Big enough to get the job done. Small enough to care. Call 250-3756 for a no-hassle estimate for Executive Landscaping. If you have traffic tips, though, text 437-1620. It's News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Candy. So back to Governor DeSantis' comments on the uh, Teacher Bill of Rights, which is a kind of a a collage of different policy proposals having to do with everything from union deductions to giving parent or giving teachers an ability not to be held responsible for discipline failures that they inherit with their kids and what they do to maintain discipline in the classroom. Uh, we also want to empower teachers to maintain safe classroom learning environments. Teachers should not be at fault if you have kids fighting or being disruptive. You know, a teacher has every right to ensure discipline and to ensure a safe learning environment. And I think sometimes teachers feel they will end up being the bad guy just by making sure that the kids are behaving. Uh, we want to make sure uh, that the teachers are protected. I mean, honestly, it shouldn't even be up, you know, their role to have to do this. But that's we see that that's something that that happens because we have a discipline that, that probably isn't where it needs to be. Yeah. And, and again, I want to see the particulars on how that's written. But I agree with that in spirit. I, I definitely want to empower teachers to have more control over the classroom and more ability to discipline far more than they have currently, <laughs> just because I, you know, I, I don't see the output being great in terms of discipline because the kids come to school with all kinds of issues. And in that environment, you, you bring a lesser disciplined set of students into the classroom and then you completely hand, uh, um, handcuff these teachers and what they can do. It's no surprise that you're getting some of the results that you're getting. Also, would also include encourage some of these school districts and this, the new school board members uh, to lean in on to teacher empowerment uh, to ensure good learning environments. Yeah, I don't know if it's something that the state would legislate, but I think to myself, why are these kids on their phones during class all the time? I mean, I think a school district would be totally within their rights to say, you know what, leave your phone in some cubby or something, go sit in class, learn, and then if you get it at recess and you want to text people, fine, 
but they should not be always on their phones uh, and being distracted from the lessons. And so I think that our school boards will be able to lean in on some stuff, too. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think they I think they could already. I don't think they necessarily need legal protection for that one. I could be wrong about that, so I apologize for not knowing. Here's one that did make a little bit more headline news when he talked about it. We also are going to be uh, advancing proposals uh, to make sure that uh, teachers' uh, paychecks are protected. Uh, they are not going to have, if we do these reforms, automatic deduction for school union dues. That's your choice. If you want to do it, you know, send money. That's fine. Uh, but to have it automatically deducted when you sign an authorization form, they don't even tell you how much is being deducted. You know, that's not right. So we want more transparency into how that is done. Oh, no doubt. Like uh, direct withholding from your paycheck. Every union wants to make it that way. But why should the employer, particularly the state agency in this case, be co-opted into providing that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with this. He, but then he said the thing about, you know, the pay cap, like the union uh, leaders shouldn't be making any more than the highest paid teachers. It, it put me in a weird position because I wouldn't normally be a big advocate for the unions, but the person who is the head of the union might require a certain set of administrative or political or financial skills. I don't know. I'm just imagining that are different and more expensive to buy the competence in than buying the competence of the highest K through 12 teacher. So I don't know about that one. I'd be curious. I mean, it's sound. It's a nice sound bite, right? The the highest union leader shouldn't make more than the highest paid teacher. I'm just saying that thinking about the marketplace and what job skills get, uh, garner, I, I'm not sure I agree with that one. So again, I kind of want to hear more. And he talked about four year term limits, or sorry, um, uh, eight year term limits for the school board. And he talked about letting the school boards be partisan and say that they're Republicans or Democrats. All of which I agree with. That's fine. I'm I'm a little dicey on the eight year term limit, but I understand the. It's ridiculous that some of these people have been in office for so long, right? We have eight-year term limits for most other things. That one seems like a fair parity for other issues, including, I would say, county commissioner. You know, all of these things should be in that same basic realm. 720 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. And by the way, uh, if I don't say it often enough, it's my fault. Always feel free to disagree with me. 432-1620, I don't know what happened. I don't have any idea. Yeah, somebody's uh, four, so, no, oh, That's not the number I've got. I'm mad at Andrew. 437, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, the number if you're mad is 432. No, just kidding. Um, no, 437-1620, always feel free to disagree with me. Doesn't bother me at all. That's healthy democracy when you talk about these things. If you're thinking about getting that next new vehicle, Frontier Motors serves the Pensacola community for quite some time. And one of the things they do that's different, is when you look at a car, like you actually sit down to talk about the price of that car, uh, you're going to get a sheet that's got all the numbers on it, tax, title, tags, all of that stuff. And at the very bottom, it'll say a number. That's the only number you ever talk about. That is the genuine out-the-door price. That's the check, the loan, the whatever you want to call it. That's the price, okay? On the back of that form, like attached to it, stapled to it, is a Carfax. And Carfax is the uh, automotive repair and maintenance history for the car, as long as the people doing the repairs and maintenance have reported that to Carfax. And then you get a comprehensive history of that along with whatever you're looking at. And now, it's not 100% everything that necessarily ever happened to the car. That's why I say when you're buying a used car, it's always good to get a used vehicle inspection by a mechanic you trust. So if you're going to, you know, some somebody's corner lot or going to buy a house, you know, to somebody's house to buy their car, um, ask them for a Carfax. And if they don't offer you one, no problem. Just call Frontier, give them the VIN. They will help you be informed about buying a car from somebody else. And now that sounds weird, but that's just what they do because they can, because they know it helps, because that's good information that you want to have to make sure that you don't make 
a decision based on not having good information that would help you. That's it. Because they can. So when I say they've been serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years behind the big buffalo on Beverly Parkway, I mean that. This is Mike Wiggins. I don't have to tell you that winter can be tough on our lawns and gardens, but there is much to be done, such as planting winter annuals and getting ready for spring. And remember, if you've got lawn and garden questions, we've got the answers on the guard line every Tuesday morning from 9 until 10 and 8 to 9 on Saturdays. The Garden Line, only on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. The following message is sponsored by the Florida Department of Elder Affairs, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Sarah is 64 and loves to garden. Recently, her health insurance ran out, leaving her worried about more than just weeds. She called the Elder Helpline and spoke with a volunteer shine counselor about her options. There, she received free, unbiased counseling on health insurance for those on Medicare. For more information or to volunteer, call 1-800-963-5337 or go to floridashine.org. Stream us online at newsradio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app. All right, all right, all right. Cool it now, man. <laughs> Slow it down. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Seven twenty-three here on News Radio ninety-two-three. I, I, I play a song and Candy's giving me this look like the what? Well, I knew it. I, I know, knew it. I know it. I know. That but happens with you know, everything. It's not like a top of your disc stack or anything. Seven twenty-three on show. <laughs> Seven twenty-three on News Radio. Not mine either. Uh, but we like to play a lot of things. Um, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David. President Biden will be delivering a speech today on the economy alongside union workers in uh, Springfield, Virginia. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says he'll be highlighting his economic achievements. A uh, Virginia school board has fired its superintendent over the fallout from a recent school shooting where a six-year-old boy allegedly snuck a gun into the elementary school and shot his teacher. That was in Newport News. Their school board voted to remove George Parker as the head of that district. And uh, kind of a strange story coming out of Salt Lake City today. Officials there denying accusations that a heavy equipment operator scooped up a homeless woman and put her in a dumpster. The uh, this what? Hap- well, this happened. Apparently, they were cleaning up a homeless camp, and they used big, heavy equipment, and they just scooped up a tent, dumped it in a dumpster, and uh, a woman's claiming she was in that tent when it got scooped up. But uh, city officials in Salt Lake City are denying the accusations. Okay. All right. Show me the video. I mean, you know, if there is one. But, right, like, it's it's one of those things where you could imagine maybe how it could happen, but that would mean that people didn't go and check before they used the bulldozer right. on a you know, a human inhabitation structure of well, some kind. That seems kind of unlikely. Generally, in these kind of situations, too, there's plenty of advance warning right. given that this and cordoning off camp of the area is going to be cleaned up. And right. bulldozers are not particularly stealthy. No, you know, they don't exactly sneak up on you too well. So, I, a lot of questions. You know, and as you say, they're denying the allegations. So, okay, David, thanks so much for the update. Seven twenty-five. Candy has traffic on the fives. And uh, just watching the the one area, it looks like a uh, North Davis Highway westbound at Campus Drive, uh, showing a tree partially blocking the westbound lanes. That's near Nine Mile, uh, and it looks like that may have been cleared by now. Certainly, if you know or if you see anything, just let us know if you would. Traffic on the fives. Traffic tips text four three seven sixteen twenty. It's News Radio ninety two three informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Candy. So, um, in case you.
you weren't aware, there is an asteroid coming uh, toward the Earth. <laughs> it's a fairly you large. It's a it's a large it like that. Yeah, well, you know, stick around. I'll give you the whole story. Uh, but it's a relatively large-ish one, about the size of a you know FedEx or an Upstruck. Okay, so it's not small. So it's actually going to be the one of the, or uh, I think it is going to be the closest approach by a near-Earth object ever actually recorded. And it is not going to hit us. Okay, NASA is being very clear and J- J- JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, is being very clear that it's not going to hit us. But this is one of those times where I'm like, oh, that is narrow. <laughs> the margin is narrow. So here's what's going to happen. Today at around um, 427 Pacific time, and uh, it's going to be over the uh, the southern tip of South America. So if our calculations are wrong, it's Brazil's problem, not ours. But, well, it's Chile's problem, I guess. It's not the southern tip of South Africa. Anyway, uh, 427, uh, so 627 our time. And uh, it's going to come within, and it, again, to, to, to grasp these distances, the way I always use the reference is, is moon orbits away. So the moon is about a quarter of a million miles, 250 million miles, or 250,000 miles, 250,000 miles away. Okay, so a lot of times you have these uh, things that are coming a million miles away. That's four moons away. That's really not very close. That's a long way away in you know terms of like danger. It's not a long way away in terms of astronomical units, but it is quite a bit away in terms of danger to the Earth. This one, okay, 250,000 miles to the moon. This is 2,200 miles. So one one-hundredth the distance to the moon. That's really close like the distance from i think the distance from pensacola to la is like 2000 miles on i10 and if you go up to san francisco it's like 2400 miles okay so if you're thinking like about the size of the earth you're looking at a globe if you think of the distance from pensacola to middle california you know how small that is now take that and then put your fingers around each side of it and turn your fingers vertically that close <laughs> Like, you know, about a quarter of the Earth's diameter. Because I think we're about 10,000 miles in diameter, 24,000 miles around, which is, by the way, why one revolution, we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, you know? Just just things you put together if you understand the math of it. Anyway, uh, to put this in perspective, geosynchronous orbits, you know, the satellites that stay in one place and you shoot to them, like you're, if you have a DISH uh, network or some other satellite service, you're pointing at a geosynchronous satellite that doesn't move in the sky, uh, 22,000 miles away. So this is going to come well inside the geosynchronous satellite orbit. And this is the part that's a little scary or horrifying. Oh, there's something worse? No, no, there's, there's a worse part here. You ready? It was discovered five days ago by an amateur astronomer. <laughs> So, is this deep so, impact and they're just trying no, to is that why they yeah, no, know it's like, it, it's it i mean i don't know i haven't seen it i don't have the telescopes i'm just saying five days ago a dude in crimea discovered it and uh his name was Gennady borisov so reassuring um <laughs> he discovered it went through the process of reporting it to the minor planet center and uh the near earth object confirmation page figured it all out yeah it's coming not at us there is a good news note here The good news note is that, yes, we just discovered it. Yes, it's going fast. Yes, it's coming very close to the Earth. Even if it were to hit, it would still most likely (laughs) burn up in orbit, and you wouldn't really get anything reach the ground. And if you did, they'd be very small particles. So there you go. That's everything I know about the subject. 729. (laughs) Candy looks horrified. Dude. (laughs)
<laughs> no, I. So you know me. Normally, when these stories come up, I'm the one who's like, "Dude, this is so far away." When you really think about it, and I try to tell you, like, for example, if you were standing in the middle of a a football field, uh, this not not this particular, but the example I often use is if you were standing in the middle of a football field, that this would like you know you're at um, I don't know you're at Penn Air Field out on uh, out on uh, the campus. This would be like somebody shooting a rifle in Baldwin County. You know, like that's a lot of times that's the analogy. This is, no, this is really close. <laughs> this is much, much close. This is like if you're on the football field and somebody's shooting a rifle on the, the, the drive around on the, on the pavement. <laughs> like it's, it's really, really close. All right. Uh, David Wayne, what do you have coming up, sir? Yeah, reassure us. News. I'm Chris Foster. Ukraine's top general says air defense has shot down 47 of the 55 missiles fired by the Russian military today. At least one death is reported in the capital, Kiev. We're told two critical energy infrastructure facilities were hit in the Odessa region. The Kremlin now saying it sees the promised delivery of Western tanks to Ukraine as evidence of growing U.S. and European involvement. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. A California judge rules video associated with a hammer attack on former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, should be made public. News agents he's asked for copies of it. But the San Francisco DA's office refused, saying people could manipulate it to spread false information. Fox, the New York Times, and others argued prosecutors could debunk false information by releasing the footage. Fox's Jill Nato. The economy's reported to have grown at an annual rate of 2.9% in the last quarter of last year. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 731 News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. It is 43, mostly sunny right now in Pensacola. Scambia County leaders looking to buy 10 parcels of land. It would include the Inglewood Baptist Church building. Last week, county commissioners voted to move forward and make an offer on the property of $1.7 million. This is probably one of the best deals the county could get. Um, quite frankly, 33,000 square feet at $1.7 million. I mean, you know what? It could be used as a shelter. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that this building could be used for. Commissioner Lumen May there, and he says those funds were all set aside for a community center in that area. And this was after that 2014 Escambia County Jail explosion. Englewood Baptist pastor Larry Watson uh, says that the church is looking to sell because they're just not maximizing the space. Uh, if they do, they'd move back to their original location. An algebra teacher at Navarre High School in Santa Rosa County has been named their Teacher of the Year in that district. The school district surprised uh, Miss Karen Cody with that award yesterday. Cody, in her seventh year with the district, her students say she makes everybody feel safe and welcomes anyone into her class. And uh, before she became a teacher, she worked for the school district for 15 years as an ESE paraprofessional. An Okaloosa County man charged with trafficking meth after an arrest in Niceville this week. Police there say that they made contact with 21-year-old Adam McCraney because he had a warrant for theft, but then they found a baggie with more than 50 grams of crystal meth in it. McCraney was taken to the Okaloosa County Jail, being held with no bond because of previous charges. Federal charges now for Marcus Spanavello in relation to Cassie Carley's death. He's being uh, indicted on federal kidnapping charges that announced yesterday by U.S. Attorney Prim Escalona. The FBI said uh, the FBI also uh, making that announcement with Escalona. Uh, if convicted, 
Spanavello could face either a life sentence or could get the death penalty. Spanavello was also indicted on abuse of a corpse charges uh, last month in Alabama. Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson will be holding a news conference at about 11 o'clock this morning. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump says he's suing, suing the state of Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis over the recent decision to block an AP course on African-American studies. Will we let Governor DeSantis or anybody exterminate black history in the classrooms across America? No! And Crump says he's suing on behalf of three students. Uh, The governor says that while African-American history is a core part of education in the state of Florida, the course in question promoted a political agenda. Motorcyclist was killed and two kids were hurt in a crash in Mary Esther yesterday. This happened on Highway 98. FHP says the bus was at a stop sign pulled out in front of the motorcycle. The motorcycle hit the side of the bus. The motorcyclist was killed. The uh, two kids suffered minor injuries in the crash. There were five kids on the bus when that happened yesterday. And a new report showing a bear that attacked an employee at the Jacksonville Zoo had a history of problems. FWC's released a report on that incident that happened last month at the Jacksonville Zoo involving a black bear named Johnny and a female zookeeper. The report says Johnny has a history of anxiety and was on medication for it. Johnny apparently uh, also had to have teeth pulled because of chewing on the fence of his enclosure. Johnny was a wild bear but was taken to the zoo because he was approaching humans for food. 735, it's News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our traffic on the fives with Candy. Um, not showing a, a lot. It looks like I-10, I-110 reporting as clear, not showing any problems on 29. It looks clear all the way through, certainly. Uh, Car City, a little slow near the uh, interstate, but, you know, always is. That's traffic. Uh, if you have a traffic tip or you see an accident or a you know, tree down, 437-1620, you can text us. It's News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Cooler day out there today with temperatures warming up near 55 degrees for your afternoon high. Mostly sunny skies overnight tonight. Temperatures dropping into the 30s for lows. Sunny skies will continue as you go into Friday with a high near 56. Friday night temperatures dropping near 42. For Saturday, slight warm up with sunny skies continue. High on Saturday near 60 degrees with a low near 52. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you, Brooke. 43, sunny in Pensacola, 44 in Gulf Breeze. 39 in Milton. Our next news at 8 o'clock. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I'm Jennifer Koshenka with your Money Now. Jewel Labs is in early stage talks with three tobacco giants as the e-cigarette maker seeks a potential sale, investment, or partnership. The Wall Street Journal says in recent weeks, Jewel executives have had talks with Philip Morris, Japan Tobacco, and Altria. Altria, which owns a 35% stake in Jewel, valued the baking company at $1 billion in October. Jewel, which represents 27% of e-cigarettes sold in the U.S., reached the brink of bankruptcy last year amid a dispute with federal Federal regulators over whether its products could remain on the U.S. market. Multinational companies are racing to invest billions of dollars in the U.S. to capture generous clean energy incentives, igniting a backlash among governments in Europe and Asia and sparking a move by some to come up with their own green subsidies. The European Union's competition chief called the new incentives from the U.S. toxic and said they contain what she called questionable provisions. On Wall Street, futures pointing to a higher open. That's your money now. Have you been thinking about getting fit, but don't know where to start? Why not start at Running Wild? 
Running Wild specializes in fitting every person to the proper shoe, apparel, and training designed for their unique needs. An essential resource to the community on all things fitness related, Running Wild takes pride in serving, teaching, and encouraging customers to reach new goals. Start your fitness journey with the experts at Running Wild in Pensacola and Fairhope. Follow on Facebook or shop online at WeRunWild.com. News Radio 92.3. Now it's time to play Which Host Did This? Andrew McKay, Jenna Barr, or Bobby Rossi? This host was on The Price is Right. Who could it be? Who is it? The correct answer is Andrew McKay. Get to know our local hosts by listening to News Radio 92.3. 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. News Radio 92.3, Informers Local, Dependable, 38 degrees. Goodness. <laughs> it's ugh, not right. I, yesterday I got, you know, I got up in the morning and it was like 60 and I put on shorts and a sweater and then I was filling up my car with gas. I'm like, I did not adequately prepare for this experience. Uh, <laughs> so that was yesterday and today is even worse. So yay for us. Uh, but it's still not Buffalo. Let's just be glad about that. It can always be worse. It could always be uh, Vancouver. All right. Uh, Mike Wood is a public information officer for the Pensacola Police Department. Always joins us Thursday about this time. Mike, welcome back, sir. Good morning. All right, all right Mike. First question. Um, what is the Pensacola Police Department doing, if anything, to protect us from this suddenly discovered asteroid this afternoon? Any, uh, what, what, what do you got for me? We're going to put on our helmets. <laughs> That's about all we can do. <laughs> that that will be adequate for the uh, interstellar um, particles. Okay, good, good, good to know. There's a plan. No, I I joke, but I you know anyway. I just you know, <laughs> there's not much you can do. I know, yes. I know. <laughs> we this, uh, I'm gonna say it. Slow week and good. I love slow weeks because that means that people aren't getting victimized, which is good. And the one story that did kind of percolate up to our uh, awareness was of one that turned out not to be a story, Joe Patty's, right? Yeah, you know, we originally reported this, as, and it was reported to us as a theft of a purse uh, by the victim. And so detectives, they don't waste any time. They get on this. If they can find surveillance photos and videos, uh, they get on it. They get that out to the public, and that's exactly what we did. We were under the uh, understanding that it was a theft of a purse. And uh, when that individual was put out there, she called and said, uh, called back and said, wait a minute, uh, I had that purse, and I took it back to the owner. So there was actually no theft at all. She was a, a good Samaritan that found the purse, that found ID. Uh, in fact, there was photo ID in the purse, so she took that uh, purse and secured it in her car. She went back inside Joe Patty's to try to find uh, the owner of the purse. She didn't have any luck with that, but she did uh, find an address in the purse, and uh which was a Gulf Breeze address, and this person that found the purse lived in Navarre. She's headed that way anyway, so she thought she'd stop by and return the purse the same day, and that's what she did. It had medication in it. She felt like she had to get it there quickly. Uh, The only problem, and that's a great story, but the only problem is that the victim never called us back to let us know she got her purse back, so Uh we are still under the assumption 
that a purse was stolen. We still have the photos out to the media uh, looking for this person. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a problem, but it ended up with a good, happy ending. So you guys never even – did you actually interview or talk to this lady who was the Good Samaritan? Yes, we have. Oh, okay. And, when- uh, yes. Yes, we have. And she, you know, she did the right thing. She uh, saw the purse on the parking lot, picked it up and secured it and tried to find the owner. But, um, yeah, so there was a little bit of a gap in there as to what actually happened. And as soon as we found out, then we made that correction. Did um, did the officers who talked to her have any leftover gift goodies from the um, what do you guys call it in, in December when you do the um, you find, reward good behavior? There's a name for it. I can't remember the name of it. It's police Navidad. Police Navidad. And, yeah, we were fresh out of the. You know what? We were fresh out of the cards, but we need to put her on top of the list uh, for the 2023 version of yeah. Police Navidad because she sure does deserve a, a gift card. Yeah, that's a good point. And and especially because you know she had her her photo all over social media and it wasn't her fault. <laughs> you know she did a good thing and you know so that's uh you know let, let's find a, a small thing if we can do to uh, to reward her. That'd be great. You did have a um I guess what was it a story about somebody pickpocketing or rummaging through people's purses or something at the big box stores. What happened here? Yeah, so we've only had one report of this so far in Pensacola, but we do know about it in other places in the panhandle. And what's going on is people are following um, uh, mostly females in stores, uh, uh, Sam's Club, Walmart, places like that, and they're looking for purses being left unzipped in shopping carts. And if they follow them long enough, They'll get distracted. They'll go get something off the shelf, maybe talk to someone on a cell phone and turn their back toward that person. When that happens, the individual uh, will take something out of the person and leave. So we're just wanting to make sure uh, that these uh, that these ladies will keep those uh, purses zipped up and keep an eye on them while they're in the store because there may be somebody just following you around waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, and I have seen women do this before where, you know, I look, I understand, you know, tracking all your possessions and, you know, the purse is a functional item and all of that. But you, you, you have to treat a store like an environment where thieves could be around you, unfortunately. And, you know, don't just don't leave stuff laying there <laughs> or, you know, especially when you turn your back or walk down the aisle. Because I know the mindset is, well, I'm just going to be a second. Well, that's as much as it takes. But also all of these stores have robust security systems. So you got to imagine these thieves know they're going to be on video right yeah they do but and then we believe that sometimes they're from out of town they come in town they make oh, these, okay. these uh, hits and then they leave and this one particular situation the a credit card was run up i think it was between three or five thousand dollars before she realized it was gone so uh they do it very quickly they know the card's going to get taken down or you know disabled quickly so they make their move and they get as much as they can off of it as fast as they can I, I, in my mind because my brain thinks this way i imagine ppd spearheading the effort to distribute to women across the nation fake credit cards that they can lay on the top of their purse that immediately notify the police to come to the store to arrest the user <laughs> like bait cars be nice. <laughs> i know it's not gonna happen but it would be fun to see um one thing that's kind of interesting i think it was about two weeks ago maybe i'm wrong on the time frame but i got a phone call from ppd i got a text message from ppd i got multiple phone calls and texts about a uh and this was not through the like normal amber alert system but this was you know, to my phone calls and texts. I had never heard of that happening before. Tell me about this system. 
Yeah, it's just it's like the the reverse 911. When we have a child missing, um, we're going to get the information out as quickly as we can to everybody because somebody is going to see that that individual. Somebody's going to see that child. So that's how that works. Decisions are made through um, our supervisors and dispatch to uh, get that going as quickly as we can. And fortunately, it worked out well uh, in this particular situation that you're talking about. Was the child found because of somebody getting one of those notifications? Because I don't think we got an Amber Alert at the same time unless i'm mistaken uh or do we know i don't believe that there was an amber alert issued uh, i was out of town at the time okay. but i believe my understanding is that 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 uh, child was found uh very quickly after that went out i'm and, not sure of the particulars of it and it's fairly it's geographically fairly specific right but it's i mean it's not like all of escambia county but it is maybe a mile or two radius is that is that right yeah, so you can pick the the area. A lot of times that's done on um, zip codes and, and other ways, but uh, we certainly don't want, you know, in the middle of the night to wake up everybody in northwest Florida with this. We're going to try to concentrate it on areas where we believe that child may be or may be headed. Yeah, and I talked to other people who said they saw it and they got out there looking. And, I mean, you know, it, I, it was just different. I had never seen that before, and I was uh, kind of curious kind of how that all came about or how it turned out. Uh, Mike, we're talking to Mike Wood, the uh, public information officer for PPD. Mike, hang on for just a sec. Let's get candy in here with traffic on the fives. Good news is we're not showing any slowdowns or delays. 29 is now accident free. Not showing any problems on I-10, I-110, Bell Lane, Sterling Wayne, Cyanamon Road, and P Ridge and uh, Pace. Not showing any issues. But hey, if you have traffic tips, text 437-1620. It's News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Candy. Back to Mike Wood. Um, Mike, uh, Chief um, Randall was asked a question in the city council meeting about the new two CRA police officers. And specifically what he was asked was, how many beats are there in the city? And then how are resources used within those beats? And how does that change when, for example, you get uh, an incident out or a major incident out, you know, kind of. And that's like like understanding how policing works kind of thing is one of the things that we always try to do with folks. So can you maybe just take a second and if, if, as much as you can in that short time, explain how beats work in the city of Pensacola? Yeah, you're correct. They are 11 beats, and some people, some departments call them districts, patrol districts. Um, we have 11 of them. The 11th one is the airport, airport property itself. So beats 1 through 10 are in various parts of the city. Um, and then in, within those beats, we have what's called reporting areas. So we can uh, we can nail down exactly where a certain problem is, is happening on what beat and what reporting area. That way we're able to concentrate on those areas and help solve that problem. So um, it's, it's been that way. The, the, the beat so the districts have been the same for, for many years. An officer is responsible, uh, works that same area every day, so he gets to know that uh, that beat, that area, the people that live there, the people that have businesses there. And uh, and that comes from the community policing aspect that, that began many years ago. Sure. And then when, like you say, if there's an incident in, say, beat two, I don't know what where that would be, but uh, then the other beats that are close by, especially geographically close by, which might be you're at the edge of your own beat or whatever, so I get all that. Um, there's a kind of a collapsing effect where they they come to back up, come to help, and depending on the size of the report is how many other people are drawn off of their beat to come back up that one, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, that's why when we're short, an officer might have two beats, but 
um, you know, to have to cover those. But we try to uh, have one or two. And a lot of times we have officers that roam. Uh, a lot of our canine officers will do that, that will go from beat to beat and just and respond to all of them. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of times they'll stay central. And uh, to give you a, a visual, beat one is up on the north end, like Ninth Avenue to Olive. Okay. And then beat 10 is before you go over the Brancus Bridge and it goes down through that direction. The, okay, the, the so beat numbers generally it's a top to southwest and there's kind of a distribution of the numbers throughout. Okay, well, that, that actually helps. I, did, I didn't know that, so I, I appreciate that. Last thing we always like to do with you is a, uh, a cop myth or a did you know. Do you have one for me this week? Yeah, and this one comes from the Supreme Court. It's about uh, the use of force, and the Supreme Court says whether an officer's use of force is justified or not should be judged not by the benefit of hindsight, but by whether other officers with similar amounts of training and the same facts before them find that same amount of force to be reasonable. So uh, you would wonder, you know, why would you have police officers looking and, and deciding whether the use of force is justifiable uh, for other police officers? And that's why uh, they're trained in that. Uh, they know, let's take like a, a straight arm bar takedown uh, to an average person. That kind of looks mean. It kind of looks rough when actually it's very humane and very few injuries come from uh, something like that in order to get a person to the ground and get them handcuffed. Uh, so, yeah, it's gone all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they decided that it's okay to have the professionals that are also police officers that are highly trained in the use of force to decide whether an officer did, in fact, use uh, abusive force or not. And, and that's, you know, uh, we do the same thing when we're thinking about uh, citizens, for example, use of force if they use a gun or something like that is, you know, what's reasonable, right? I talk with Sheriff Simmons all the time about this. You know, what's reasonable for the person in the circumstance based not on what we learn afterwards with all of our extensive investigation, but what on they what they could have or should have known at the time. No, that's, that's actually really helpful. I didn't know that at all. Uh, Mike Wood, he is the public information officer for the Pensacola Police Department. As always, Mike, thanks for the information. Thanks for keeping us safe. Safe, especially from the asteroids, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, and wear your helmet. <laughs> that's, just, that's just good life advice right there. 750 on News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. Are you a business owner stressing about the high cost of health care plans or wondering how you can compete in today's labor market? ProHealth is here to help. ProHealth's medical membership program is just $45 per month per employee. That's just 28 cents an hour for full-time employees. This program covers unlimited primary care and teledoc visits with zero copay and many more benefits. No appointment is ever necessary at ProHealth. Beat the high cost of health care with ProHealth's medical membership. Not convinced? Think about how much a sick employee is going to cost you. Join Travis Thompson with Climatech of Professional Air, an American standard heating and air conditioning independent customer care dealer in the Pensacola area on the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 9.30. Join in as Travis discusses how you can lower your energy bill and create a healthy, comfortable home. Join Travis today at 9.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Laura and I really wanted something that was inviting. We didn't want the traditional stuffy jewelry store. We wanted it to be sort of coastal casual, sort of really inviting, a place that was fun, that people could come and enjoy and not feel like they were being pressured. And we were shocked when we were recognized as one of America's coolest stores in 2018. They said, you know, there's not a lot like this in the Southeast, much less Pensacola. And we're really proud of it. Tune in to News Radio Pensacola on the FM dial at 92.3 and 95.3. Listen on the AM dial at 1620. 
happen in the hot stuff? Good morning, 7.52 here on News Radio 92.3. My boys love Fast and Furious. <laughs> they love the whole series. That's a that's a made-for-the-McKay household kind of series, and that's where I, um, that's where I picked up a little chingy. Uh, 7.53, and didn't even need to go to the doctor. 7.53 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, sometimes funny. Um, oh, I saw, did you see this um, video? It was of the basketball game between Loyola and DeCoin, and they're playing... And they're down in the corner, you know, offense against against defense. And this delivery guy for, I guess, the food order that somebody called to the stadium. I didn't even know you could do that. But apparently, just brings the delivery over to the person in the front row, walks right onto the (laughs) this court while they're playing basketball and brings them the delivery. Like, here's your sub, sir. Like, (laughs) what? Oh my gosh! It's it's such a weird thing because I I can imagine it happening to a an oblivious person, possibly on their you know earbuds, not paying a lot of attention. Um, but if you don't know sports, for example, you don't know to honor the court. You know you don't know when a game is happening or not. You and if you're genuinely that oblivious, I can see how it could happen. But I'm watching the video. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did you do that? But again, if you somehow or other managed to get into it near adulthood and haven't been indoctrinated into the physical spaces and barriers and the paradigm of sports and fields and courts, I guess I can see it. But did it oh affect the play? No, they went. They <laughs> they passed the ball. They moved on, and the security came. And you know, yes. brother, we got to go. Um, but yeah, like, and also, how did he get to the court? And security didn't do anything. Anyway, I guess they thought he wouldn't do something dumb like that. Well, if you leave it on the doorstep, he'll get dinged. On yeah, his right. Mark, so. There you go. <laughs> Just trying to be good service. I was trying to be no contact. God. Seven fifty four News Radio ninety two three. David's in the newsroom with our headlines. David, Facebook and Instagram reinstating former President Donald Trump's accounts. Meta has uh, announced that his Trumps will be a- or his accounts will be active again in the next couple of weeks. An FDA meeting today could uh, mean some changes to the nation's COVID strategy. The feds will look at treating the virus like the flu with once-a-year vaccinations. And if you're going to go to a once-a-year strategy, you may be better off going to an older technology that is more durable. That's uh, Dr. Peter Hotez. He says the flu shot model might be better accepted by the public. And a strange story out of New Jersey, a woman under arrest after posing as a high school student and attending classes for a week. 29-year-old Hai Zhong Shin uh, apparently enrolled as a new student at New Brunswick High School, went to classes for four days before she was caught and arrested. She was 29. She apparently used a fake birth certificate to enroll, and officials there say she was able to enroll because their state law prevents schools from barring students for a lack of documentation. Interesting. New Jersey woman, let's say. We can start the yes. new hashtag. All right, fair enough. David, thanks for the update. Uh, and I, my first question was, how did she sneak into the class? Well, she had some documentation, and she pretended to be in, you know, because I'm thinking, like, how would the teacher not notice? Well, that wasn't the issue, right? She pretended to be a new enrollment. Right, so. yeah, she didn't mm. sneak in, per se. She enrolled, but uh, didn't have enough documentation, but they couldn't stop her. Be honest, look me in the eye and tell me, if I tried to go be undercover in high school, could I still pull it off? Yes. Ooh. Maybe. I got carded the other day at Walmart. That made me feel good. So, <laughs> 10 years ago, the answer was yes. Today, eh, you know. No, today, yeah. You still look 12. <laughs> Hello, fellow children. <laughs> That's right. 
Hello, Candy's, fellow kids. Candy's got traffic on the fives. <laughs> you do the 12. And man, when Davis was here, he looked 10. Yeah. It's like, oh, did your mommies drop you off? I'm just kidding. <laughs> As we take a look at you, do look young. Uh, taking a look around. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a, it looks like a, a big slowdown. This is I-10. It's eastbound. And it's before and after the Pine Forest exit. Now, I'm not sure if there's an accident, if there's debris in the roadway or construction, but it looks real, real slow in that area. Certainly, uh, if you know and uh, if you see something, let us know. Traffic tips, text 437-1620. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Dependable. Who's so dependable? Who's dependable you are? Um, oh, <laughs> follow up. Like, I yeah, still sometimes when I tell you these stories, I still don't get to all of it. We're talking, uh, gosh, last hour, I guess, about the, uh, the Pope's interview with the AP and the quote about how, you know, um, homosexuality is, should not be a crime because it is a crime in many places around the world, more than 60 places, and how I thought that this would be widely misunderstood, misinterpreted, as I have seen it already be misreported, because it didn't really change any fundamental doctrine of uh, the Catholic Church. But one thing that I didn't mention that is pretty important is in the context of all of that, he was addressing the question of sin, Right of whether, you know, the difference or the distinction between sin and crime. And as Francis actually articulated the position, it's not a crime, but it is a sin. Fine, but first let's distinguish between a sin and a crime. And it's also, and he said this, it's also a sin to lack charity with one another. Right? There are many things that are sins and are not crimes. And you know, um, being rude to somebody, uh, being, you know, mean to your mother, <laughs> you know, it's a... It's a sin. It's not a crime. And and then there are some things that are, you know, I mean, murder is both, right? Um, and then there are things that they're very, very serious sins that we have wondered or changed or kind of tried to decide, right? I mean, for, for example, in America, like blasphemy. You know, in, in, in the Bible, that's a death offense, okay? Uh, not so much in America, right? That's something we kind of pride ourselves on. We're not the Taliban. Um, but, you know, something like, for example, adultery, which has historically been a crime, sometimes with very steep penalties. It, it, and actually, I, I'm trying to remember now because some of them are and are not still on the books. They're not enforced, obviously. But uh, that might be one that's still a crime in Florida. I, I, I just forget. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, that is a major sin. Should it be a crime or not? And by the way, just... In transparency's sake, I've always said that adultery should be a crime because if the state's going to be in the business of protecting and licensing and saying this relationship is the place within which you have secure sexual relations, then it makes sense for it to also be in the business of punishing violations of that. But just kind of put in perspective, and a lot of times when Christians talk about these issues, we don't talk about enough of the other topics. We kind of focus in on that one thing.